Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Get ready. I have zero notes in my Bible today, zero. This is coming straight from my heart today. Are you ready? In Hebrews chapter 6, as I told you last week, it said, therefore, and I got to get this message out because next week is the 24th, and Jesus is coming back on the 24th, y'all. I'm kidding. That's a joke, all right? Some of y'all are like, ah, well, he could. How many of y'all know? No one knows the day or the hour. But in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, he says, therefore, let us get past the elementary stage and teachings about the Christ. Advancing on to maturity and perfection, spiritual completeness, and I call these the six foundations that we've got to have in our walk with Christ. I'm telling you today, there is teachings that it's all about prophecy, and it's all about baptism, and it's all about communion. I'm telling you, we've got to stay in the whole counsel of the Word of God. I'm going to say that one more time. You've got to be careful of where you go and what you listen to. Don't get into these veins. Don't just eat the dessert. We need to have the full course meal. Amen? Well, I, I, I don't know about y'all. You can tell I'm a carnivore. We need the meat of the word of God. But it says, it says these are the six foundations that we've got to have. Without laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. How many of y'all know repentance is very important in your walk with Christ? How many of you know you are today in Christ because you have repented of your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness? How many of y'all thankful for that? And then it says faith toward God. Number two is teaching about washings. This is talking about baptism. The next one, number four, is laying on of hands. The next one is one where people get messed up, the resurrection of the dead. And I'm going to talk about this today. There's actually three resurrections. There's the resurrection of the rapture of the church. There's the resurrection of the righteous. And there is the resurrection of the unrighteous. And then it talks about eternal judgment. It talks about the judgment seat of Christ, the great right throne judgment. There's many... Uh, um, I won't get into those details, but my whole point from this particular text here, he is saying this, the writer of Hebrews, <clears throat> excuse me, he's saying this, that, that you've got to let go of the elementary things, but this has to be a foundation, and you've got to be rooted in the word of God in this particular manner. And I'll tell you right now, uh, there's many people that say, Pastor, I can't believe you're talking about the coming of Christ. When I was a kid, they said Jesus was coming back, and he didn't come back. In fact, uh, in 2 Peter, he talks about this, that we'll be at that place. Um, in, in Thessalonians, it talks about it, and even Jesus said this, there will be people, when Jesus comes, there will be two in the field, one will go and one will stay because he's not ready. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, first of all, know this, that mockers will come in the last days with their mock, mocking, following after their own human desires and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Meaning this, they've heard it so many times that Jesus is coming back that they got slack in their walk with Christ. And I'll tell you right now, I, I'm telling you, I was raised in the church age and it'd be very easy for me to just feel comfortable and not think that Jesus, he could be coming back in a hundred years and he really could be. And last week I posed you with this question. I said this, you might ask the question, pastor, are we living in the last days? And I told you this, well, we're living in the last days that you have. So how would you live if you knew, you knew you were living in the last days? It's just like the two country preachers that were standing across from each other in the road. <clears throat> One preacher put up a sign and he said this, uh, uh, the end is near. 
Another country preacher across the street said, turn around before it's too late. About that time, a big old hillbilly in his jacked up truck rolled down the window and said, you bunch of religious freaks. Y'all been saying Jesus was coming back forever and he's not coming back. Next thing you know, he goes past them and they are, splash. One country preacher looked at the other one and said, I guess we should have put the bridge was out. All right. So I just want to tell you today that I realize there's been lots of teaching on that, but I do want to tell you this, that in the world today, the bridge is going out. Are you hearing me? The bridge is going out. And I just want to go, I'll go ahead and tell you, starting off, and if you were here last week, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to listen to that message. Because Christ coming back is nothing scary. I'll say that again. Christ coming back is not scary. If, if you're an unbeliever, no, it's horrific for you. But if you're a believer, it's a story of faith, not of fear. It's not, it's not a horror story. It's a love story of a, of, of a groom that wants to be with its bride. And that's what I shared last week. But you need to know this. One-third of your Bible is prophecy. I know I said it last week, but I, I just want you to know this. Isn't it amazing that we serve the God of yesterday, today, and forever? That not only he has predicted the things that have already happened, but he's already predicted them in the future. And we can be faithful that they will happen because of things that have lined up today. I'm telling you, you be here next week. See, last week I talked about, um, uh, I talked about the why he's coming back. Today I'm talking more about the what. But next week you come here because I'm going to talk about when. What is the signs of the times that he's coming back? I've I even learned some things this week, some crazy stuff, of that we're living in the time of day, Matthew 24, of what Jesus prepared us for. But I, um, there is over, and I told you this last week, there's over 300 references in the New Testament talking about the coming of Christ. In fact, 216 of the 260 chapters of the New Testament says he's coming back, and 23 of the 27 New Testament books says that he is coming back. So how many of y'all know we need to be up on the topic of Jesus coming back? I'm going to say that again. How many of y'all know we need to know the facts that Jesus is coming back for us as a church? In fact, there's some things, and I'm going to talk about this next week, of things. I mean, this war in Ukraine, uh, the uranium that's in Iran, the alliance that's happening from the men of the Rosh. Ezekiel 38 talks about the men of the north and the kings of the east will be an alliance and I'm just here to tell you that is happening right now as we speak. Not, you, you may see the news. You may not see the news. I'm just telling you there's an alliance that has taken place. Um, the spirit of the Antichrist is on the earth today. But can I can encourage you with some word today? In John chapter 14 and verse 1, it says this. <clears throat> he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. No matter what is going on in the news today, no matter that there may be trying to bring a drag deal to Amarillo during Christmas, that really bothers me, and I'd love to go up there and have a big time. Let's not let our hearts be troubled. Can I say that again? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Can I say that again? No matter what you're going through, no matter what happened this year, no matter what happened two years ago that you're still hung up on something, he said this, don't let your heart be troubled. He said, believe in God and trust in him. Have faith, hold on to it, rely on it, keep, keep going, and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you because I 
am going there to prepare a place for you. Look at the text again. Doesn't that make you feel good in the English that he uses? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I'm going to say that again. I will come back again. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming back? I'm going to say that again. How many of you know Jesus is coming back? He's coming back. And it says, and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. You know what Christ's desire for us of him coming back is that he, want, he longs to be with you and I. I hope you have it in your heart today, and I hope by the end of the service, if you don't, that you long to be with the Lord as well. Now, if you would, open your Bible to the book of Revelation. I'm going to do my best to go through the whole book of Revelation in one service. Y'all pray for me. <clears throat> Those of you that were here in 2020, the Lord really put it on my heart, and you can go back in the archives of Spotify and, and podcast. but I did a, Lucas, how long was that? 15 weeks? It was 15 weeks? It was called Jesus. And uh, if you don't know the story of Revelation, there's a man named John. Uh, he was an apostle of Jesus. In fact, in his life, uh, you can read this in his book. It says, behold, the one I love. I love that. You know what? I always put my name in there, Travis, the one I love. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you? But this is at the end of his life. And I, actually, he said, behold, your mother and we know this about John, that he was in the church at Ephesus. He was girding up the young pastor there, Timothy. In the readings that we read of Paul writing to Timothy in First and Second Timothy, we know that there is this elder there, this apostle named John. Well, John gets in trouble in the city that he's living in because he will not burn incense to Domitian, and they exile him. In fact, history tells us this, that they dipped him in oil twice, and he lived through it. He drank poison, and he lived. And so the guy was, uh, the king said this, well, I guess I'm just going to have to exile him to a place where prisoners go. And it was the island of Patmos. And he was inside of a rock there. And when the Lord reveals himself in the revelation to John, this is the revelation. This is apocalypsis. This is the unveiling of a resurrected Christ that comes to John. Now, John had spent time with Jesus he was there of many healings. He was there uh, in, the, in the 40 days that he spent back on the earth after he was resurrected the first time. So he knows who he is, but he sees a whole new Jesus. He has a revelation of him. He sees him as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. He said his head was like, <clears throat> excuse me, his head and his hair were like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. In fact, when he gets in the presence of this resurrected Jesus, the Bible tells us this, that he passes out. Well, then Jesus begins to impart into him, and this is just real quick. You'll see in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, these are the seven churches. Again, go back in the archive and listen to the, these because it, it talks about, I talked about some history of these churches. But these seven churches here in our modern-day Turkey that were actually there, he begins to impart into them but in chapter 2 and 3, we look at Revelation 2 and 3, we know this, that this is the church age. And I'll tell you, what we're living in today is the church age. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to get back to this, because he talks about the church age as a bride getting ready for its groom. And there's some things that he told the church then that still apply today. 
You might ask, well, you say, well, pastor, which church are we? We're all seven. We have some good reports, but mostly, we, I promise you, we have some bad reports. But there's some things in there that I believe that we need to hear today that I want to pastor you with at the end of the service here. But lean in with me. And in Revelation chapter 4, he then goes into the rapture of the church. Now, you need to know this. In Revelation 1, 2, and 3, he uses the word church 18 times. But then when you get to Revelation 4 all the way to the end, he doesn't talk about the church ever again. And here's the reason why. Because it's the rapture of the church. There's people out there on TikTok, YouTube that say this, we'll live through the tribulation and then Jesus comes back for the church. Well, that's not how he wrote the book of Revelation. He wrote the book of Revelation that we live in the church age and then Revelation chapter four, it's the rapture and then it goes into the tribulation. How many of y'all know the word of God is not a lie? How many of y'all know it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword? <laughs> and he gives us a description of it here. He says in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, after this, so he's talking about after the church age that we're living in, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a war trumpet speaking with me said, come up here. I'm going to say that again. Come up here. How many of y'all know he's coming back for you and I? And I will show you what must take place after these things. One more time, I just want to uh, refresh us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Keep your, keep your place there. But this is motivation to you and I. He's talking about this time, the day of the Lord. He says, now is the times and dates, brothers and sisters. You have no need for anything to be written to you. He's saying basically what Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. But in verse 2, it says, For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, do I believe we're going to get, is, do I believe that the world is going to get worse than it is now? 1,000 times yes. But there will also be people like in America. I want you to, it's so easy for us as Americans because we're sitting here in a place of freedom, there's going to be people on the earth that's saying peace and safety. But I promise you, there is places in China right now that if leadership knew that they were having church, they would be exiled and killed immediately. Are you hearing me? So he says peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with child, and they will absolutely not escape. So I said this last week, we may not know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And how many of y'all know we're in the ninth month? We're in the tipping point of a woman about to have a baby. Then in verse 4, it says, but you believers, raise your hand if you're a believer out there. All right. He says, are not in spiritual darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. You know why you're not going to be in spiritual darkness? Because you have a pastor that cares for you, that loves you. And let me tell you something, revelation is not, hard to, is not easy to preach. In fact, I told Pastor Robert this morning, I looked out on YouTube of preachers that are preaching on revelation, there's like zero. And I get it, because this is a hard topic to talk about. But he also said this, he said that believers would not be in spiritual darkness. 
And you know how, why you're not going to? Because I'm bringing light to it this morning. How many of y'all know we're bringing light in a dark world right now in Jesus' name? <clears throat> I don't read all of it, but in verse 9 it says, For God has not destined us to wrath, but to obtain, obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you, the rapture of the church is not a scary thing. It's a love story. He doesn't want us to go through wrath. Are you hearing me this morning? How many of y'all getting some out of the word already today? So in, in, so in Revelation 2 and 3, it's talking about the church age. Revelation 4, it talks about the rapture of the church. And then we get into Revelation chapter 6. This is the tribulation. This is where a man named the Antichrist is revealed. Now, I'm going to talk next week more about the spirit of the Antichrist. Pastor, you believe he's here? Yes, I believe I know who he is. It's LeBron James. He plays for... I hope you heard me, LeBron James. All right. Uh, <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. I'll never say the time or the hour, and I'll never depict who it is. Now, do I have some guesses on who it is? The reason I say that is because the Antichrist, one of his names is, is the man of lawlessness. And so that's why I say there's, that's one of the reasons I say that the spirit of the Antichrist is on the earth today because of defund the police. People don't want law in the last days especially LeBron James. All right, I'm going to move on from that. But this is a time of the tribulation. Now, in this book, in 6 through 19, he talks about dragons and tigers and bears. All right, you guys are good. You're awake. No, he talks about dragons. He talks about eagles. He talks about beasts. Now, you got to understand this. 2,000 years ago, as Jesus is showing John where we're living today and showing him nuclear attacks and things that would happen, how would he know to put pen to the paper of what he was seeing in that day? Like when he's talking about locusts and eyes all around him. We don't know what that, I mean, it could be anything today. But what's going to happen during that time, just real briefly, and I'll get more into detail about this, but when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be a politician that will broker a deal between Israel and the Palestinians. And he will be a part of the movement of building the new temple in Israel. If you just pay any attention to the news, they are making plans right now to build the temple in Israel. That's why I'm telling you, we're in the ninth month. Now, it could happen in years, it could happen tomorrow, but that's where we're at. Now, this is after the rapture. Are you hearing me? This is when we're gone. But he will broker a deal in three and a half years in it they will see who he truly is. He'll mess the whole deal up, and then it will go into all-out chaos. Chaos. Like, you don't want to be here for that. In fact, there's writings back to Enoch that even talk about there will be people dead all over the streets. It will be Armageddon. Are you hearing me? So, it goes into the tribulation. Fast forward with me to 19. In chapter 19 and 20, it talks about the second coming of Christ. So the first one's the rapture. The second one is the second coming of Christ. And this is the rapture of the righteous. Raise your hand if you're a righteous person out there. All right? The people that weren't up in the church, that weren't right with the Lord, but during the tribulation got right with God, hear these people. <laughs> these are the ones that he's talking about. And I just want to share this with you in Revelation. So they, they're going to need it at the end of the seven uh, tribulation that God shows up on the scene and I saw heaven 
open, verse 11, 1911. And behold, a white horse. See, everybody knew Jesus was a cowboy. Come on, somebody. He was born in a barn, and he comes back on a white horse, all right? And he, and he was a healer. Glory to God. And he who was riding is called Faithful and True. Oh, man, can I just share this with you? It's hard for me not to shout it. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many royal crowns. And he has a name inscribed which no one knows or understands except himself. He is dripped, he is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood. How many of y'all know, 2,000 years ago when he died for you and I, the blood of Jesus. How many of y'all know there was something about the blood of Jesus? And his name is called the Word of God. See, that's why it's so important that we get the Word in us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he's coming back as the Word of God. And the armies of heaven dressed in fine linen, white and clean, following him on a white horse from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress in fierce wrath of God and the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, on, on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on, we ought to give the Lord praise for that this morning, that he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. I hope second service does it better than y'all. Come on, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So that's the second coming of Christ. And then you get into verse chapter 20. This is the resurrection of the unrighteous. And it, it talks about uh, in verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life again until the thousand years were completed. So what happens is he comes back, and then the thousand years, and then the dead, the, the, the unrighteous will come to a place of judgment as well. In Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11, this is an event called the great white throne judgment. Now, I went through all of these in the six fundamentals last Bible school, and I got in down into the nitty-gritty, didn't I, Pastor Robert? Got down into the nitty-gritty of this stuff, but real quick, what happens in verse 11, it says, and I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. For this heaven and earth are passing away. The heaven that's there now, it'll pass away. The earth that we live in now, it's gonna pass away. And it says, and I saw the dead and the great and small standing before the throne and books. Everybody say books. Come on, everybody say books. Books were open. Then another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, what was written in the book books and the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades surrounded the dead who were in them and they were judged and sentenced everyone according to their deeds then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire this is the second death of the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not written in the book of life he was hurled in the lake of fire when I tell you this every single person whether they know Jesus or don't know Jesus you will be judged you know what we live in a time and day on Facebook? Everybody's judging everybody. Why you always got to be judging me? They are so judgmental. Can I tell you? Everyone will be judged. 
And can I tell you, you want to be judged by a book, not by books. Because the book is the Lamb's book of life. And the book has been dipped in blood. And I've overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And when you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, your name has been put in the book of life. And it's under the blood. But if you get there and you haven't repented of your sins, you'll be judged by books of all the things you did and didn't do, of the opportunities that you missed out on. I don't know about you, but I've missed out on a bunch, but I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. How many of y'all thankful for the blood? I'm here to tell you today, you might think, well, I'm not going to be judged That's a lie. All of us in here will be judged. And then after that, verse chapter 21, I'm going to come back to chapter 2 and 3, and I'll come to a close, but there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And I read this last week, but he said, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from from God. This is verse 2 of 21. Arrayed like a bride. Everybody say bride. Adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among them, among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself be with them. And there will be no longer death. There will be no longer sorrow and anguish. Anguish. Come on, I'm believing. This is the, I said last week, you're going to birdie every hole. The donuts at Donut Stop will be hot all the time. Even in the afternoon, come on, somebody. Glory to God. I'm just kidding. I hope you guys know. I don't know. Donut stop may be around then. But his whole point is this. Think about this. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. It, it'll be, there won't even have to be rain on the earth. Because in the Garden of Eden, he created that to where there wouldn't be no rain. Think of the things that come with thunderstorms, lightning. Uh, hurricanes, tsunamis, all of those things that come to create rain on the earth today, there'll be none of that because he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. I don't know about you, but I want to be here and not in hell. Are you hearing me? So this is where I want to go. One, one last scripture, and in, in, this is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the second, at the second coming of Christ. We'll all eat together. And worship the one that's coming back on the white horse. But in verse 7, I want to I pay attention to this. And then I'm going to talk about chapters 2 and 3 real quick, the church age. He said, let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. You know, I, I've been in ministry quite a long time now. <clears throat> There's plenty more that's been uh, in it longer than I have. But over the last 17 years, I've done a lot of weddings. And can I tell you, weddings get bigger and bigger and bigger from when I first started. You know, now, nowadays, uh, like you can watch television shows about marriages, but they have videographers there. They have photographers there. They have like three different cakes, right? I'm talking about the big ones. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know the ones that I'm talking about, the big, big weddings that 
And they have all of these things and they make preparations and they do all of these things. They have the, the right color arrangement. She has the perfect dress and all the bridesmaids have matching dresses and the groomsmen and, and all of them. And they've, they have all these little signs and things at the table and there's all these details that they go into. And in this scripture right here, he says, his bride has prepared herself for the coming of Christ. And over the next couple of minutes, I want to go to Revelation chapter 2. And I want to ask you, are you that bride that is preparing for Christ to come? Have you made, have you made some plans? Have you gone into details into every area of your life to prepare that if Jesus was to come today right now, that you're ready for him, that you're ready for the vows, that you're ready for that marriage supper of the Lamb. And going back to how, how to get ready, I believe, is found in the church age of where we are today. And this angel, or angel, Jesus is speaking to the apostle John, and he talks to him about the church at Ephesus. And if you have a New King James Bible, I believe it says the loveless church. And he's writing... And we as the church, I believe we are a part of this right now. But he's writing to this church. As he's writing to Ephesus, he's writing to AOL. I'm going to say that again. As he's writing to Ephesus, he's writing to AOL. And I believe he would give us a good report, but he would also give us a bad report. And that's, unfortunately, that's what I want to talk about today. But God wants us to, ref, uh, to return to our first love. And in verses 4 and 5, it says, but I have this charge against you. And I, as I say you, you need to talk about yourself right now. I'm putting me in the equation as well. I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact from its place until you repent. You know what this lampstand means? He said, I'll remove my spirit from you. You know what he's talking about? The church at Ephesus, people who's lost their first love. He's talking about the people that, that at first, I mean, y'all know we're at that place when you first got saved. You were so excited about the Lord. You couldn't go to Toot and Totem without telling somebody that you've been saved. But then over time, through the busyness of life, can I tell you, us as a staff and me as a pastor, it's so easy for me to get caught up in ministry and forget why I do what I do and who I do it for. We forget our first love. Can I tell you, we as a church, we have forgot our first love. Me and Pastor Randy was talking about it the other night when we were, when we were kids. Brooke, you'll testify to this. But when I was a kid, and Brandy was saying the same thing, I went to a Christian school I hung around Christian people, and we did Christian things. And when I would go to the park, I mean, we weren't like long hair and didn't have a TV or anything like that, all right? We weren't extreme. But when I would go to the park, you know what even other kids saw me as? Radical. Can I tell you, we need to get back to a place where we're radically saved. Where we've lost our first love. Can I tell you? How you prepare as a bride for your groom, you return to your first love. Everybody say return. Here's the second thing. Here's another church. It's the church at Smyrna. And I believe uh, this is the persecuted church. But he tells them this. You need to remain faithful. 
Now, I believe they get a, they get a good report, but one of the things that I want to help you with this morning is that, especially in the time and day that we live in, in verse 10, he says, fear nothing that you are about to suffer. Be aware of the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be, like, like Facebook prison maybe, <clears throat> hallelujah, this word's for me, that you may be tested and for 10 days you will have tribulation, but be faithful to the point of death. I'm gonna say that again. I just wanna tell the church today, you know how you prepare as a bride for the groom? You be faithful to the death. And you don't rely your walk with Christ on somebody else because everybody else is a hypocrite. People tell me, I don't go to church because I've, I've, been, I've been around some hypocrites. Well, you still go to Walmart and it's full of them. Come on. It's full of them. But he says this, you've got to remain faithful even... Can I tell you, there's been things that have happened in my life that I don't understand. There is funerals that I've preached that I don't understand. There is things that I just don't get why they happen. But he is talking to us in this text right here. He says, no matter what happens, you've got to remain faithful to me. Can we make that plea this morning as a bride waiting for its groom that we're going to be a church that remains faithful no matter what is said, no matter what is done, no matter what comes against us. I'm going to be somebody who is faithful until the coming of the Lord. I'm sweating. The next one is this, the message to Pergamum. Now, you, I'm telling you, there is so much detail in all of these, but this is the compromising church. In fact, he talks about them as having a seat of Satan. In Pergamum at that time, there was an altar to Zeus where they put a seat at the top where they said would, Satan would come and sit at. Years later, an archaeologist bought it, moved it to Germany where a young boy by the name of Adolf Hitler would go sit at the seat of Satan. But he talks to the church at Pergamum here and I'm telling you, this is, this is where in Timothy and Peter, he reminds us of this in the last days. But he said, you reject doctrinal. Uh, he said, I I'm going to warn you to, to reject re doctrinal extremes. And in verse 14, he says, but I have a few things against you because you have, you have there some who are holding to the teachings of Balaam. Now, the teachings of Balaam were this. You can do whatever you want to. You can live however you want to. And Jesus still loves you. Can I tell you? Jesus loves us, but he'll change us. This is a hyper grace teaching that we live in today. Grace, 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 grace. How many of y'all were on in the mornings this last week? I proved to you in Jude, verse 4, he says, in the last days, there will be men that will rise up ungodly people in the pulpits that will distort the grace of God into decadence and immoral freedom. Can I tell you? You don't have to look across YouTube very long to find a preacher that will tickle your ears and tell you everything is okay. I'm telling you, we've got a line to walk in the last days. But then it goes on to say, he says, before the sons of Israel to eat things that had been sacrificed to idols and commit immorality. You also have some who are in the same way are holding the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Now I'm coming to a close, close, John. The Nicolaitans, you know what they were? They were legalists. 
They believed only the law. How many of y'all know Jesus came and broke the law? I'm going to say that again. How many of y'all know Jesus came and he wrote a new book, a new law for each and every one of us? Can I tell you there's still legalists in the church today? There's still denominations say you can, you can only read the King James Bible or you're going to go to hell. You got to cut your hair a certain way or you're going to go to hell. You got to dress a certain way or you're going to go to hell. How many of y'all know that's legalism? But we also can't be grace, 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 grace. I'm telling you, it's the whole counsel of God that meets in the middle. I shared with y'all. Like I said, I don't have no notes, but I think it's right here in John. Is it all right if I be led by the Spirit? John. John 1, 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace. Everybody say grace. It says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace invites you to be free, but it's truth that helps you to be set free. Does that make sense? I said this the other morning in prayer. Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. I, I think this is in John 8. But it's the woman that was caught in adultery. What does he tell her? This is, this is where we have to have the mixture of grace and truth. Because they come to him and they said, They said, woman caught in adultery, the law of Moses says that they'd be stoned to death. And Jesus said, he is without sin, cast the first stone. But Jesus said this, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did not one condemn you? He said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. That's grace. But then the truth was this, from now on, sin no more. Was he mean about it? No. Was he meaningless? No. He was in the middle. Grace has to come before truth. Or truth doesn't work. Are you hearing me this morning? So in Revelations there, the church at Pergamum, he's saying, don't give in to the the teachings of Balaam. But also, too, don't give in to the Nicolaitans as well. You guys getting something out of this? One more. Or a couple more. Real quick. He talks to the church at Thyatira. Still in chapter 2. And this is the corrupt church. And he says, I want you to do this. I want you to remove your impurities. In verse 20 he says, I have this charge against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. Y'all be here next week. Because I'm going to talk about also not only the spirit of Antichrist, but the spirit of Jezebel that is in the earth today. And she teaches and misleads. Can I tell you there's so much misleading in the earth today? I love it. I want to give it up for St. Stephen's Methodist, Pastor Travis Bennett. They had a vote to go from United Methodist Church to Global Methodist Church. Now, I know we're far from the Methodists, but can I tell you this? The reason they did that was because the United Methodist Church is coming to a place that people are born this way, that leadership in the church can have a homosexual lifestyle, 
And they stood up and said, we're not going to have that anymore. And they're moving to the globe. Come on, let's give it up for our people across town. I wrote this down. I shared this with Pastor Robert this morning. Talking about the corrupt church. Don't let your theology, theology gravitate toward your behavior. Don't let your theology, theology gravitate toward your behavior. Let your behavior gravitate toward your theology. Let our lifestyle line up to the, what the word says. The next one I'm going to talk about next week. The church at Sardis. The dead church. He talks about renewing your purpose. In fact, verse 2, just real quick. He said, wake up. How many of y'all know we live in a time where we don't need to get woke? We need to wake up. Let's say that one more time. We do not need to get woke. We need to wake up to some things that are happening around us. And I'm going to do my best next week talking about the, the church at Sardis, the dead church of waking up. The next one is the church at Philadelphia. And they got a great report. They said, you've remained faithful because you revered the word of God. Can I read to you chapter 3 and verse 8? He says, I know your deeds. See, I've set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. For you have little power and have kept my word. Can we make... Can we make the decision today as a church that we're going to keep his word? We're going to keep his word. The next one. I hate to even bring this one up, but this is the lukewarm church at Laodicea. He said, repent of lukewarmness. In verse 15 of chapter 3, he said, I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm. Now, back when I talked talked in the Jesus series about this particular church. On the mountainside of this region, there was a spring. In the valley side of this region, there was a hot springs. And the, the king at the time, he said this, let's pump in the cold water and let's pump in the hot water. So we'll both have cold and hot water here in our city. But they didn't factor is, is when they put them inside of those clay pipes, that both the hot and the cold came to a place of lukewarmness. And neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich. I have whatever I need. Can I tell you, we as Americans, it's easy for us to say that. I got everything I need. I got heating and air. I've got a comfortable seat that I'm sitting in. And I have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Then in verse 20, he says this. Can we stand to our feet? If you're finishing writing down notes, go ahead and write them down. Then he says this to the lukewarm church. And I said this last week. I ended with it, but I want to end it one more time. Behold, I stand at the door and I continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. That's how I wanted to end it this morning. I don't want to be the lukewarm church. I don't want to be the dead Christian. I don't want to be the corrupt Christian. I don't want to be the compromising Christian. I don't want to be the loveless Christian. I want to be the faithful one. 
And I want to just leave you with this. Just close your eyes. I feel the Lord would say this. Here comes the bride. Here comes the bride. Are you ready? Are you ready for the groom to walk through that door? I think we just need to reflect right now. Give me a little bit more piano, if you would, John. In that state of that, I just want you to reflect on your life right now and your family. Here comes the bride. Are you ready, Dad? Are you ready, Mom? telling you where I feel this the heaviest is is that as a parent have I prepared have I prepared her have I prepared those boys and Lord I repent of times where I've taken it for granted come on just talk to the Lord right now what would you tell him if he walked through the door right now God I see the urgency I see the urgency I feel the urgency. Lord, I repent of being dead. I repent of being loveless. God, I repent. Not being faithful. Come on, speak to the Lord right now. Here comes the bride. We're the bride. He's the groom. But I just want you to get that. If you're in this room today, you say, you know what? With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I believe this. I believe there's people in the room that are saved, that are righteous. You're that one we talked about, radically saved. But I also believe there's number two. There's people in the room that are saved, that have lost their first love, that have gotten caught up in the busyness of life. I believe there's a third people in the room that you think you're saved, but you're not. Maybe you've held on to the teachings of Balaam, where it's grace, 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 grace. And you're so far from God, you just... You think everything's all right, but I'm telling you, it's not. And then there's a fourth people in the room that you've never been saved. I just want to tell you today, today is your day. And lots of times, four doesn't want to be like one because of two and three. I hope we leave here today with everybody being a one. So if you're out there and you say, Pastor... You're talking to me. I need to get my heart right with God. I need to get it under the blood and have my name written in the book of life. 
you're out there and you say, Pastor, you know what? That's me. I want to get things right with God. Just slip your hand up and say, you know what? That's me. Is there anybody? Everybody saved? Praise God. Look at me. I want to leave it with that. I know I said, here comes the bride. We're, we're the bride. But the groom's coming for the bride. Just felt necessary to say, here comes the bride, but here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. Hey, how many of y'all got something out of the word today? You got something out of the word today. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.